0: In the name of Allah, alhamdulillah As-salatu wa s-salamu ala rasulillah Nabiya Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wa man tamasika bi sunnatihi ira Thumma amma ba'd Alhamdulillah ala ni'ma al-islami was sunnah All praise and thanks belong to Allah For guiding us to Islam and for guiding us to the sunnah Haddathini jama'atun min al-shuyukh بإسناد كل إلى سفيان بن عيينة عن عمرو بن دينار عن أبي قابوس مولا عبد الله بن عمرو عن عبد الله بن عمرو بن عاص رضي الله تعالى عنهما أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال الرحمون يرحمهم الرحمن ارحموا من في الأرض يرحمكم من في السماء the Prophet he said in a hadith that those who show mercy, they will be shown mercy by the Most Merciful. Be merciful to those who are in the earth, and the one who is above the heavens, He will show you mercy. The ulama they say this is because knowledge is mercy the result of knowledge is mercy in this world and the ultimate goal of knowledge is mercy in the hereafter it is incumbent that we take this hadith to heart and we implement it inside of our lives Bithnilahi ta'ala we continue going over the tremendous hadith the hadith of urwa bin sariah where the prophet sallallahu gave us some tremendous and timely advice the prophet sallallahu alaihi he said that i advise you to fear allah and to hear and to obey, وَإِنْ تَأْمَرَ أَعْلَيْكُمْ أَبْتِ. Even if a slave becomes your ruler, فَمَنْ يَعْشِ مِنْكُمْ فَسَيَأْخْتِلَفَ فِينْ Kathira Because those who live from amongst you, they're going to see much differing. They're going to see much اختلاف. فَعَلَيْكُمْ بِسُنَّتِ وَسُنَّةِ الْخُلَفَاءِ الْرَّاشِدِينَ الْمَهْدِيِّينَ مِنْ بَعْدِ عَدُوٌّ عَلَيْهَا بِنَوَاجِثٍ. So it is incumbent upon you; is binding upon you. To stick to my sunnah and the sunnah of the rightly guided khulafah. after me. Bite onto it with your molar Bite onto it with your molar We had reached the point of this any yani point of the hadith where the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said, "Wa الأمور, and beware of newly invented matters. فَإِنَّ كُلْنَا been الْضَلَالَةِ Because every newly invented matter is a going astray. We had stopped in the last class when dealing with the statement of the Prophet ﷺ من سنة, في الإسلام سنة حسنة, That whoever brings in islam a good sunnah whoever brings in islam a good sunnah بها, then he, they will have the reward for it and the reward for those who act in accordance to it we mentioned in the last class as ulema they mentioned that what is intended by man sanna fil islam then it means whoever sets a good example whoever sets a good example or whoever revives a sunnah whoever revives a sunnah nam in continuing in continuing when we look back to the reason for which this hadith was mentioned or the reason to why the Prophet ﷺ, he made the statement, this becomes extremely clear. Because the Prophet ﷺ, he made the statement after an occasion where he had saw some of the people and they were extremely poor. They were extremely poor. And their poverty it affected the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the companions saw visibly upon his face that he sallallahu he was disturbed by their situation he felt very sorry for them so thus the, he sallallahu he encouraged the companions to give charity to give sadaqa then he encouraged them to give sadaqa so one of the sahaba he took who was there he took a container or something in which you will hold things in, and he started to put things in it, yani, you know, to gather some things together so it could be given to these individuals. When the companion saw that, those who were in attendance, they too began to put things together and to add yani you know, to what was being given so that collectively they can give those people that charity. When the Prophet SAW saw this, he said, من سنة في الإسلام سنة حسنة. Whoever brings to Islam, whoever does in Islam a good sunnah, then they will have the reward for it and the reward of those who follow them in it. So this hadith here, when we look at it in its totality, we clearly see that nothing was invented nothing was made up nothing was invented there was nothing new that was brought but rather the companions came together and they gave charity now was charity something that was legislated in the deen yes it was legislated it is legislated is charity something that was well known and done by the prophet sallallahu it was well known and it was done by the prophet So them coming together and giving charity, this is encouraging people, setting forth a good example and encouraging them. Setting forth a good example and encouraging them. So when one looks at this, then they realize and they see that there is no room in the religion for newly invented matters. There is no room in the deen for newly invented matters. In fact, the Prophet ﷺ, he called the newly invented matters, he he called them a bid'ah. And then the Prophet, I said, let me told us that every bid'ah is a balala, is a misguidance, and that every balala, every misguidance, is in the hellfire. So when we look at it, we see that there is no such thing as a bid'ah hasana. There is no such thing in the legislative sense as a bid'ah hasana it does not exist. Now, and it's very incumbent that we know this because. Individuals they will take the likes of this narration and they will bring it outside of its proper meaning and they will say, Look at this. The Prophet said, Man Islam, Sunnatil hasana, Sunnatan hasana." that whoever does in Islam a good sunnah, whoever invents in Islam a good sunnah. No, there is no inventing of anything inside of the Deen. لا, there is no inventing of anything inside of the, the Deen. What was the Deen then is the Deen now. There is nothing new to be brought into the Deen. So when one looks at every example in which individuals they try to bring to justify what they call good innovation, then it is rejected because when it is examined, you will see that the example that they bring is not actually something that was new, but rather it was something that was there previously, something that was already legislated, like here in this example, where what is being spoken about is the Sadaqah, sadaqa. Is legislated as part of the deen. Nam. Yes. But the Fadil to Sheikh, Al allama Muhaddif al Madina, Sheikh Abdul Muhsin, Al Abad al Badr, He brings another example of what some individuals try to use and, and try to twist. He says, likewise, Meaning, similar to the aforementioned example and situation of that Sahabi gathering the Sadaqah to be given to these people. He said, This is also. He said, This is similar to what had taken place with Umar. When he brought the people together. Collected, yani brought them together to pray Salat At-Taraweeh Fi Ramadan, inside of Ramadan Naam Fainahu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam The reality of it is that what? Is that Umar radiyallahu ta'ala anhu He what? He revived Naam he revived a sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He revived a sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Because Umar, when he found the people praying in different groups inside of the masjid, right? He found them praying in different groups in one masjid. He brought all of them together and gathered the people so they all come together and pray behind one imam when they're praying. Tawwih, yes. So he revived the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Why? لَأَنَّهُ سَلَّلَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ صَلَّى بِالْنَّاسِ قِيَامَ الرَّمَضَانِ because the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he prayed with the people. He led them in prayer in the standing in Ramadan. يعني في بعض الليالي in some in some nights, some nights the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he led the people in at-tarawih n'am for a few nights and then the prophet sallallahu alaihi wa he left it وَتَرَكَهُ khash yani khashyah and yufraḍa alayhim he left it because he feared that as-salawat that yani salat at-tarawih will be made mandatory upon the believers so he stopped doing it out of fear of it being made mandatory and he stopped so he ceased and desisted from praying with them so I want everyone to pay very close attention to this right the Prophet wasallam himself he did what he let the people in tarawih the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam led the people in tarawih for a number of nights. And then he stopped out of fear that it will be made wajib. He stopped out of fear it will be made wajib. So now the question has to, has to come. Did the Prophet sallallahu alaihi pray tarawih and lead the people in tarawih all the people behind one imam? Did this happen? Yes, it happened. And then the Prophet وسلم, he stopped doing it. Did he stop doing it because it shouldn't be done? Or did he stop doing it for a specific reason? He stopped doing it because he feared that it would be made obligatory upon the people. And that was the reason that he stopped from doing it. That makes sense? now nah? That makes sense? Okay. this occurrence and this occasion yani it had taken place sahih al-bukhari yani you can find the whole of this hadith inside of sahih al-bukhari but once the prophet died ainan dhahaba ma kana yukhsha al-fard min at-tashri' but once the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he passed away then what he feared of Surah at-tarawih becoming mandatory it was no longer the reason Yani had stopped The reason had ceased and desisted The reason was no longer present The reason That he stopped Praying it was because he feared It would become wajib Now once he died That fear was taken away Why? بِوَفَاتِهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم Because the legislation Had stopped by his death With the death of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam There was no more rules and regulations To be revealed The deen prior to his death Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam It was complete It was completed All of the rules and regulations Were already in place That which is halal Was halal That which is haram is haram that which is wajib is wajib that which is mustahab is mustahab so on and so forth Na'am. there was not nothing else to be added so the fear of it being wajib was removed it was no longer there there was no longer a fear that it will be wajib so it being Recommended The ruling of it being recommended This is what remained That it was recommended It is not wajib But it is recommended It is recommended for us to do And we are encouraged to do it Na'am So with that being the case And because Umar عنه, He knew this So what did he do? فَأَظْهَرَهُ عمر رضي الله تعالى عنه. So Umar he revived it. Why? Because he knew the only reason the Prophet ﷺ stopped praying it with the people was out of fear that it would be made wajib. But once the fear was removed, the fear of it being made wajib was removed by the death of the Prophet. ﷺ. So then, at that point, once the reason in which led the Prophet ﷺ to stop praying with the people. And having them gather all together behind one Imam, once that was removed, then there was no longer an issue with what? With all of the people praying together behind one Imam for Suratu tarawih. And Umar, Umar radiallahu ta'ala, this is one point. One point is that it was done by the Prophet, wa sallam, praying Taraweeh, all of the people together behind one Imam. One, it was done by the Prophet sallallahu That's one point. The second point is that in this hadith right here, the hadith of Irbad bin sa'diyah the Prophet صلى Fa'alaykum bi sunnati said, "فَعَلَيْكُم Rashidin خُلَفَاءِ مِن بَعْدِينَ So it is wajib upon you to stick to my sunnah and the sunnah of the rightly guided Khulafa. طيب عمر رضي الله تعالى عنه he was from the Khulafa al rashidin So it is already established that praying a taraweeh behind one imam was done in the time of the Prophet wasallam by the Prophet wasallam. That's already established. The second thing is that this is also what the Sunnah of the Khalifa. so it was done by this Khalifa, Rashid, Umar, radiyallahu ta'ala, anhu. Na'am? So therefore we have on it what is from the Sunnah of the khulafa' Ar-Rashidin. So it's from the Sunnah of the Prophet Naam confirmed. From the Sunnah of the khulafa' Ar-Rashidin. Naam confirmed. So how could it be anything else except Sunnah? Hmm? How could it be anything else except the Sunnah? طيب. فما جاء عنه الله عنه من قوله نعم Na'am. so what has come narrating on, the, on on Umar that he said about it what a good bid'ah ni'mal bid'ah because people use this and say this is the proof that there is bid'ah hasana Na'am. but we, we know that bid'ah it has a meaning in the arabic language it has a linguistic meaning right and we also know it has a shar'i it has a legislative meaning Bid'ah linguistically, it is an invention, right? It is an invention, something that comes about that has no precedent, or something that comes about in a way that is unprecedented. Did that make sense, right? And then, of course, in the religion, this will mean that in which there is no proof or evidence for it in the book nor in the sunnah there's no proof of evidence for it this is something that is invented in the religion that an individual seeks by way of it to draw near unto allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so now when we look at the definition of bid'ah from a religious or legislative standpoint does salatul taraweeh fit the bill meaning being prayed behind one imam does it fit the bill Meaning that there's no proof for it. Not in the book, nor in the sunnah. Does it fit the bill? No. Why? Because there's proof for it in the sunnah. Did the sah- did, did, did the salaf know about it? Did the sahaba know about it? Naam, they know about it. Naam. It was from the sunnah of the khulafa. Okay, so now it can't then therefore mean a bidah in the religious sense. It can't. Okay, so now what about the linguistic sense? That this is something that is done... Either something that is unprecedented or done in a manner that is unprecedented. Would it meet that bill from a linguistic standpoint? Then of course the answer would be what? Yes. It meets that bill from a linguistic standpoint. Why? Because the Prophet Sallallahu in his time, he began to pray tarawih with the people, everybody together behind one imam. And then he stopped from doing it out of fear that it may wadjib. Right? So it started, then it stopped. Now, in the time of Umar, because the fear that which caused the Prophet to stop doing it, that reason had been removed. So now we can pray tarawih behind one imam, al istimrar. We don't have to. We don't have to worry about stopping. We can do this now, for now on, because the reason that the Prophet stopped doing it has been removed to his death. So now it's not going to be made wajib upon the people. And the Prophet, ﷺ, he feared it being made wajib because of his love, his affection, and for him wanting ease for the Muslims. He feared that they wouldn't be able to maintain it if it was wajib. Now, I mean, he feared that they wouldn't be able to maintain it if it was wajib. Right? So now I don't want you to yani, uh, reflect upon that. So now, Umar, تعانه, when he says this is yani al bid'ah, what a good bid'ah is this. Why? Because now we're going to pray like this from now on. And praying continuously, consistently behind one imam. So al-Taraweeh. Then this was something that was new. In the sense that because the reason and for which it was stopped is gone. So now we can do it without obstruction. Right? Now we can do it without obstruction. So when he said that, this was from a linguistic standpoint. Just like from a linguistic standpoint, you can call the se'ir a bidah. You can call the watch a bidah from a linguistic standpoint because it's what it's an it's an innovation, it's an invention, right? You can call these social media and these tools in which and these things are being broadcast and recorded on what bidah. Because these things are inventions, right? But are they bid'ah in the religion? No. These things are not religious, right? These things are not bid'ah inside of the religion. So a car, a plane, a train, the modern houses that we live in, the modern uh, clothes that we wear, the modern forms of shoes that we wear, things like this, none of this. Is a bid'ah in the religious sense. These are inventions, but it's not a bid'ah shar'i. It's not a bid'ah in the religious sense. But when we speak about bid'ah, like here it comes in this hadith, فكولنا, فكولنا ضلالة, then is it referring to bid'ah linguistically or bid'ah shar'i? Is it referring to bid'ah? Linguistically or bid'ah and legislatively. When one reflects, they know, of course, it's referring to bid'ah legislatively. It's not talking about new inventions. It's not talking about new forms of technology. It's not talking about new ways and methods and modes of doing things inside of the worldly life. No. It is speaking about that which comes in the religion. That a person now tries to find a new way. tries to invent a new way. To draw near unto Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will never be accepted. The Prophet وسلم, he said, "Men احدث في أمرنا هذا ما ليس منه فهُوَ ردن. Whoever introduces into this affair of ours that which is not from it, then it is rejected. now yeah? So Umar radiallahu his statement it can't be used for anyone to say that there is a such thing as a good bid'ah. Cannot be used. Why? Because we're talking about tarawih Now, can anyone say that a Taraweeh is bidah? No, no way. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ taught it to us. Because the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he taught it to us. Because the companion Umar, عنه, he who was from the Khulafa al rashidin he revived it for us. He revived it for the Ummah. So could it be called Bidah in any which way, shape, or form? No way. So when he said, <coughs> "Excuse me," and referred to it as uh in bid'ah uh, then this means what he used it bid'ah in the linguistic sense, not the religious sense. The Sheikh he says, "You Salat tarawih He means by it that he revived Tarawih. Well, you ought to be bidah. El and he meant by meaning in the linguistic sense of it. Earth and he brings another example. He said likewise is the ziyadah of Earth Man Al Likewise is Earthman adding another event on the day of jumuah Naam Uthman رضي الله عنه, On the day of Jumu'ah, he had two adhans, two adhans. naam The first adhan was to give the people notice that the time for Salatul Jumu'ah it was coming soon, that the time for Salatul Jumu'ah was coming soon. Was <coughs> excuse me, a reminder for them to finish up what they were doing and to get ready because it is it's, it's approaching. Soon, shortly. And Earthman, Man, Rabhi Allah, he was from who? He was from the Khulafa ar rashidin He was from the right guided Khulafa. Those who the Prophet وسلم, he said, Fa'alaikum be sunnati, was Sunnah to Khulafa al-Rashidin al-Mahdien Bandi. So it is upon you, my Sunnah, and the Sunnah of the right guided Khulafa. So being that it was from Earthman, Man, Rodhiallahu Talanhu. Can it be a bid'ah? <coughs> Excuse me. Can it be considered a bid'ah? No way. Not at all. وَقَدْ وَافَقَهُ عَنِهِ الصَّحَابَةِ رَضِيُ اللَّهُ تعالى عَنْهُ أن الصحابة, they agreed. They agreed with Uthman on this second Adhan. Due to the need. Naam, due to the need. وَهُوَ مِنْ الْخُلَفَاءِ Rashidin. And it was from the Sunnah of the khulafa الرَّاشِدِينَ وَمَا جَاءَ عَنْ إِبْنِ عُمَرِ And what has come on Ibn Umar فَهُوَ مَحْمُولٌ إِنصَحَّ عَلَى بِدْعَةِ And what has come on Ibn Umar that he referred to it as a bid'ah. then if this narration is correct, then, and if it, this narration is authentic, then it is understood by it what he intended by it, meaning bid'ah in the linguistic sense. Meaning a bid'ah in the linguistic sense. Now, that makes sense. So, again, can anyone say about this that this will fit the bill and justify somebody inventing an act of worship inside of the deen? No, not at all not at all why? because when we look at what was done and who did it and what the Prophet and said about those group of individuals meaning the khulafa Ar-Rashidin to stick to their Sunnah then this could could this ever be considered bid'ah that would justify someone inventing something and calling it religious and seeking to draw near to Allah Ta'ala by way of it no way it does not fit the bill in any which way shape and form because the reality of it is is that there is no such thing as a bid'ah hasana. there is no such thing is a bid'ah hasana what's the proof? is that the Prophet ﷺ, said وَالشَّرُّ al and the worst of affairs are newly invented matters bid'ah. every newly invented matter is an innovation and every innovation is a misguidance and every misguidance is in the hellfire so the Prophet SAW said Again, we're speaking about religiously, we're not talking about linguistically, no, religiously, legislatively. This is what the Prophet is referring to. There is no good bid'ah, there is no good bid'ah in the deen. Na'am? There's no good bid'ah in the deen. Every bid'ah in the deen is a going astray, every going astray is in the fire. The Prophet said these are the worst of affairs, Okay. When we look at this hadith right here, we know there is no, there can never be any such thing as a good religious innovation. No, there's no such thing. The sheikh, as normal, he ends this discussion on this hadith by bringing forth some of the things in which we benefit from this hadith. Some of the takeaways. The first of them is. That it is recommended والتذكير في بعض الأحيان It is recommended to give reminders To give admonishments To give heartfelt and touching addresses Right? That this is recommended That it is done from time to time because of what you have in that of that which will touch and affect the hearts you understand you see it is not wise that an individual always comes with the same approach, it's not wise, right, and you have people who they downplay certain things and make it seem as if there is no good in it, you know uh and although. They understand where they're coming from there has to be a balance okay so the fact of educating and teaching the people by way of classes this is of extreme importance right classes are of extreme importance and this is a excellent manner and the way to teach the people but these classes they're not the only way right and these classes can't be used a hundred percent of the times sometimes a class is excellent most of the times and this is what you want you want classes but then also you need sometimes what workshops right sometimes you also need what you need lectures right sometimes you need what you need reminders and all of those things have different forms different shapes sometimes you need a reminder you need that reminder it could be short five ten minutes reminder sometimes you need an address that is fiery Right. Sometimes you need an address that is fiery, that, that 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 would you know rattle you, that would affect you. Right. Sometimes you need an address that is laid back, mild. Right. It all depends on the situation. You have to bring a little this and a little that. But those individuals who come and try to make it seem like no, all the time it's supposed to be like this. No, this is not correct. Likewise, we tell Yani yeah, those individuals who all they want to do is give these motivational type you know talks and things like that. Uh, that's not good all the time. You need that sometimes, but not all the time, right? Those individuals, all they want to do is come and just talk, 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 and give lecture, 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 lecture. Well, that's good, but not all the time. Sometimes you don't want to, you know, you know that's not what that's not what's needed. You know, a uh, 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 hour and a half, forty-five minute lecture. That's not what's needed. Sometimes just I need just a reminder, something to round me up, energize me, give me some you know, encouragement to do this or to do that. So it's incumbent upon the teachers that and the educators that they really spend time in assessing their audience, assessing their students, their level, their community. The, the imams of the Masajid have to assess their communities. Sometimes they're going to need this and sometimes they're going to need that. Okay? Sometimes they're going to need that address that you raise your voice in. Eyes filled with tears. And sometimes they're going to need that address where it's laid back, mild Okay, so this is important, and we learn this from the Sunnah of the Prophet, Sallallahu because this was an address that was outside the ordinary. This was a maw'idah. This wasn't. This was a powerful address that affected their souls. Okay, so that's one point of benefit that we get from it. it has to be balanced. Has to be balanced. Another point of benefit that we get from this hadith is حرس الصحابة رضي الله تعالى عنهم على عن and that was the diligence of the sahaba in seeking after the good right the talabihim al wasiyya minhu sallallahu because they asked the prophet to give them an advice the prophet he said that you're going to see much differing right they wanted they wanted an advice give us an advice because it seems like this is going to be the, the final you know thing give us an advice so the prophet sallam he, he gave them, he told them, he outlined to them what the problem was going to be, and then he gave them the solution. So the Prophet said, whoever lives from monks, you're going to see much different. That's the problem that's, that's going to arise, the ikhtilafat, the right? That's the disease, okay? And then the Prophet he gave them the remedy, he gave them the, the cure. Sunnati, وَالسُنَّةِ So it is upon you to stick to my sunnah, and the sunnah and the you got a khulafa after me. That's the solution, that's the exit, that's the way out, that's the medicine, that's the cure. And that is when different arises, Just stick to the Sunnah and the Prophet Al-Muhim, is that the Sahaba, when they heard this, they asked for a Give us some advice, that was we hold on and cling to. And I want you to reflect on that which is mentioned here in this hadith. I want you to reflect on it, and I want you to be serious and reflecting on it. When you look back to the problems that are taking place inside of the lands of the Muslims, the problems that are taking place with the Muslims themselves, you can trace it back to them what? Contradicting and violating this hadith. I want you to reflect on that. They violated this hadith. This is why we're in the situation that we're in. Think about this. The Prophet ﷺ said, I advise you. I command you to have fear of Allah, to have taqwa. We already know what taqwa is. Now, think of all the situations and problems that arise in a Muslim life, right? When you do things that you're not fearing Allah Ta'ala as relates to it. When you do things that are haram, we do things that are not correct, we do things that are not right. How much yani, uh, bad comes from that what are the evil repercussions that comes from that what are the evil repercussions that would affect an individual that would affect a family that would affect a society think about that why are we in a situation that we're in worldwide as muslims where's the taqwa of allah inside of the ummah you, you see okay then the prophet said Sem'i wa ta'a. then we have to hear and obey the the ruler Okay, think of all the instability in the lands of the Muslims. Think of all the instability inside of our lands and so on and so forth. That stems from what? Lack of taqwa and a lack of hearing and obeying the ruler. Think about that. It can be summed up into what? Lack of taqwa. Now you can blame who you want to blame. Oh, the ruler, he's not fearing Allah, this and that. But you ain't fearing Allah neither. It's okay? called a spade of spade. You claim that about him? What about you? All right. Semi-ma-pi. Are we hearing and obeying our rulers? No. The instability, that's all they're for? Or is it for the people that revolted and caused the country to become unstable? You can argue cause and effect all day long. But the reality of it is, is that what your hand has a part in the problem. Okay, the Prophet I said, say, you're going to see much differing. Is there is there differing, or are the Muslims on the same page? Is the Ummah on the same page, or we differ? We're separate. We're divided. The Ummah is what separate, is divided. If the Ummah were together, if the Ummah were together, then what? It would be the greatest nation in the world, because what 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 nation in the world? Just from a geographic standpoint, we'll have a landmass that can rival that. That's just one to think about. Okay. But then, when it comes to more importantly, the differing that we have in the Dean, this one is upon this. Thing which is contrary to what the prophet Center was upon. This one is upon something else. That one is upon something else. Everyone is saying, no, this is what is Islam. This ikhtilaf is inside of the deen. This one say saying, no, believe like that. That one say no, believe like this. This one brings a third way. This one a fourth way. Fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. All the way until you get to the seventy-three. Three. Only one is right. Is this not a problem? Is this not an issue? Does this not cause to weakness? The Sahaba didn't have this problem. Why? Because their belief was one, their methodology was one. They were unified. They were one. Even during disagreements, even during conflict, they were still one. Mm. So we violated. That's part of it. The Prophet ﷺ told us to stick to his Sunnah and the Sunnah of the rightly guided Caliphate. Are the Muslims doing that? Are we sticking to the Sunnah of the Prophet and the Sunnah of the rightly guided khalifa If we were, there wouldn't be no differing. So we know that's not the case. The Prophet told us to be beware of newly invented matters because every newly invented matter is a going uh, is a going astray. Are we being way of newly invented matters, or do you find bidah has become so widespread that in some places they look at bidah as if it is the Sunnah? And if you bring the sunnah, they look at you as if you brought some bid'ah. This is how strange the sunnah has become in some places. And how widespread bid'ah has become in some places. Is this not a problem? How come we're in this situation, but the Salaf, they were not in this situation? Are you serious? It's like night and day. Because what we're doing, they, they didn't do. These problems we have, they didn't have. They were diligent. We don't have their diligence. They sacrificed. We don't sacrifice how they sacrificed. Their their hearts were good. Our hearts are not good. Their belief was sound. Our belief is not. Their methodology was sound. Our methodology is not. They followed the Prophet. We're contradicting the Prophet. So, again, and I leave this for homework for you to ponder. When you look at this Hadith, this was Suya, this, this, this legacy in which the Prophet He gave to the companions. This is what you're going to need to survive these times of turmoil. This is what you're going to need to employ if you want to survive and make it through these times of turmoil. We're living in now these times of turmoil, and we're going against what the Prophet gave us to help us during these times. We're going against it, and then we're wondering why we're succumbing to the waves of turmoil. What else was going to happen? You decided to jump off the ship, forget the life raft and your life jacket, and then now you're surprised when the waves are smacking you around and you're drowning? What you what else you think was going to happen? You jumped out the plane with no parachute. You think you thought you was going to fly? Allah musta'an. Anyway, the other benefit another benefit given from this hadith is that the importance of what the Prophet ﷺ, he advised us with in having Taqwa of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala and it is a Taqwa it is to obey Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala by doing that which he has commanded us to do and by staying away from that which he has commanded us to stay away from that's Taqwa so a person that come in and say but I'm Mutaqi I have Taqwa that's how you check yourself do you do what Allah has commanded you to do? And do you stay away from that which Allah has commanded you to stay away from? Because that, those are the characteristics and the hallmarks of taqwa. Fourthly, is the importance of what the Prophet ﷺ, he advises with, and that is hearing and obeying the Muslim ruler. Hearing and obeying the Muslim ruler. Now, I want you to understand, hearing and obeying the Muslim ruler doesn't mean the Muslim ruler has to be righteous. No, it has to be a Muslim ruler. Whether he's righteous or he's not righteous, whether he's a good Muslim or he's a bad Muslim, we still have to hear and obey. Period. It's not stipulated, he has to be a good Muslim. No. Yeah. And the and, and 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 the pure, you know, what's what's ironic, right? The irony of the situation is that a lot of these individuals who put these, you know, uh uh rules and who will set this uh you know, these standards upon what they expect from a ruler. Don't even live up to it themselves. Allah kulli had. Why? Because in obeying the Muslim ruler, it has in that that which will benefit our worldly affairs and our affairs of the hereafter. Right? And we're talking about in general. An individual may have a situation that affects an individual. But if they are obedient unto the ruler, then this would what? This is this is better off for of stability. And, I, and I'll give you an example. Imam Ahmed, ta'ala, when he was going through what he was going through, and the Muslim ruler who was putting him to trial, having him tortured, having him whipped, having him beat, oppressing him. Na'am, that was a harm that harmed. Imam Ahmed and those ulama who stuck to the truth. Those who were persecuted, those who were killed, so on and so forth. Right? But let's go back to Imam Ahmed. Imam Ahmed, the harm that came to him affected him as an individual. When people came to him and hinted that his plight could be carried on the shoulders of others, He he wanted nothing to do with that. He told him no. Why? Because now that would have led to instability. Now as the situation was, Imam Ahmed was the one that was being whipped and beat. Not not everyone. Not 30-40% of the population. Imam Ahmed was the one that was going through a rough time. Not 30-40-50% 60% of the population. So on and so forth. So you still have what? Some kind of stability. And even with that, Imam Ahmed, he understood this and he knew this. That for the greater good, you know, this has to be the way because this is what the Prophet ﷺ told us to do. And this is why he used to say that if I had one dua that I was guaranteed from Allah will be accepted, I will make it for the ruler. I'll make it for the ruler. Because the ruler, if the ruler is upright, then that trickles down to the society. Whereas if an individual is upright, it doesn't necessarily trickle up and to affect uh, the ruler. So the rule of being upright and being set correct is one of the best things that can happen to a society. When that situation is not the case, maintaining stability is is best for the society. Why? Because you don't make a bad situation worse. You don't make a bad situation worse. Look to those lands who revolted against their leaders and now look to their situation and you will see that it is now what worse it's just it's something to think about also we see from this for the naysayers out there who who want to say no, no, but, but but, there's no but, you got to hear and obey the ruler the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he gave an extreme example showing us how much so we have to obey the ruler the Prophet ﷺ, he gave us a, uh, um, a very great and powerful example showing us that even in extreme situations we have to hear and obey the ruler as long as they were as long as they are muslim we have to hear we have to obey them he said well, okay, an amir Abdan, even if the amir was a slave meaning that what they took over they got there in a way it wasn't right they took it with force but you know what still what it is what it is you have to obey the ruler once they are the ruler and the ruler and the, and their the rule is solidified and stability is in any in effect, you have to obey the ruler. Even in that situation. Even in that situation. This is just something to think about. And it it's a must that we stick to the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The next sixth is that the Prophet Sallallahu He informed that there's going to take place much differing in the Ummah. He informed that there's going to take place much of it in the Ummah. And he gave a time frame by way in which it would take place. Because he said, That there are those who live from amongst you. Meaning that this differing is going to start to rear its head. In the lifetime of some of you all In your lifetime of some of you all You're going to start to see this differing And this is a proof and evidence Which shows us the uh, prophethood of the prophet It shows us the truthfulness and the prophet's Hood and Messengership of the Prophet sallallahu because the series of events happened after his death exactly the way he said they were going to happen, and they were from the companions those who saw it take place in their lifetime exactly like the Prophet sallallahu alaihi said it was going to happen. so not only did it happen, not only did what they were. Told was going to happen, happened, it happened, but it also happened in a time frame that he said it was gonna happen. Now seventh point of benefit is that that the way of safety, when there is differing in the deen, That it is by sticking to his sunnah. So Allah and the Sunnah of the right guided khulafa. That's the way to safety, sticking to the sunnah. Of the Prophet ﷺ and the sunnah out of the Writing of Khalifa. Now let me ask you this What good could it be in a call like that of the Khan muslimin and like that of Sayyid Qutub and those who are avid followers of Sayyid Qutub from the Khutbaya? What good could be in their call when they are contradicting the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ and when they are avidly speaking ill of earth man? عنه, who was who was what? Who was from who? The Khulafa Ar-Rashidin. What good could be in that? How can that be the solution? How can that be the solution? You're contradicting the Sunnah of the Prophet and then you're speaking bad about one the Khulafa Ar-Rashidin. How is that the solution? How is that the way out? Okay, the Shia. How is that the way out? Right? Allah musta'an. These are guidelines. You want to know what's right? It's here. The handwriting is on the wall as they say. Even better than that, the Prophet said, The Prophet said, I left you upon that which is clear. How clear? it's so clear the night is like it's day. It's clear. We just have to stick to what the Prophet taught us. In the way of the companions. Eighth, Bayan fadl It shows us the superiority of the Khulafat, of the right negative Khulafat and they are Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman and Ali radiyallahu ta'ala anhum and not just their superiority and their virtue and their status but that verily annahum rashidun that they are rightly guided the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam me call them rightly guided the shi'a they speak bad of Abu Bakr and Umar. But the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi said they were rightly guided. So who are we going to go with? Aha, easy, right? The Prophet Sallallahu uh, Alaihi The Qutbiyya and Ahlul Bid'ah, they speak bad about Uthman. But the Prophet Sallallahu said that he was rightly guided. Okay, so now who are we going to listen to? Who's, who? huh? Very easy. The Prophet yeah. So those who speak ill of the companions, then we know that their call is a call that is based upon misguidance. Because the Prophet wasallam he said that they were the best of mankind. And Allah Ta'ala in the Quran, he said, رضي anhum That he, That Allah is pleased with them. And they are pleased with him. now. So now, as they say, what could trump that? Right? What can trump that? So we're going to listen to those people who speak ill of them and give them an ear and give credence to what they are saying? Or are we going to stick to the text? So anyone who you find speaking ill of the companions, they know that they are people who are astray. They are people who are astray. now. The ninth point is a warning against every newly invented matter in the religion. That in which you don't find any origin for it. It has no basis whatsoever. Tenth point is that verily, innovation, all of it is misguidance. All of it is misguidance. Now. And there is nothing from it that is Hasana. There is nothing from it that is good. The eleventh point is a combining between Taroheeb with Tarheb. Right? Is that when given an address, you combine. Between encouraging people to do something and between discouraging them from doing something, right? There has to be what? A balance. So in this Wasiyya, we'll the Prophet he encouraged us to do certain things and he also warned us from doing certain things. You'll find some people they come and they say, Encourage, brother, encourage, encourage, encourage. Okay, no problem. But then when it's time they have to warn against something. They start feeling uncomfortable. Why Why you got to warn? Why you got to, you know? Huh? No. It's, you have to encourage and you have to warn. You have to call to what is good, forbid what is evil. Encourage to what is right, warn against what is wrong. It has to be both. You have to encourage you know, with the good people and then warn against what? The bad people. It's not just just talk about the roses and they'll, and they'll be able to see the, uh you know, the, the bad stuff. No, you, you know, you point out what's good and you point out what's bad too. Now, but anyway, here, what's the proof of that? And where do we find that here in this um, uh, we'll see it from the Prophet وسلم, is that when the Prophet وسلم, said, Fa'alaykum, Then it is upon you. This is what an encouragement. Okay, this is what tarheeb. This is an encouragement right here. All right. So, so where's the tarheeb? Where's the discouraging from things? And where's the warning from things? Well, that's in the statement of the Prophet وسلم, And beware. And beware. So, the da'wah, the call that is balanced it is a call that will have both aspects in it at encouraging and discouraging encouraging and warning against it will have both elements is important the twelfth and final point is the بيان أهمية المصية بالتقوى بتقوى الله والسعي وطاعة إولات الأمور والتباع سنن وترك بدعة لكون النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أوصى أصحابه بها بعد قوله أو بعد قولهم عن موعدته كأنها موعدة is that it highlights the importance of that in which the Prophet he gave in this wasiyah it highlights the importance of fearing Allah having taqwa of Allah hearing and obeying the Muslim ruler following the sunnah leaving off bid'ah these affairs are extremely important in light of the fact that the Prophet wasallam he gave this advice, he gave this legacy, he gave this command to his companions after they said to him, It is as if you have given us a farewell address. So give us advice. So the promise I send them is giving them this advice based upon that statement as if this is a farewell advice, meaning that if I can't say anything else to you ever, then this is going to be the last thing I say to you. And that outlines the importance of what is mentioned, that if I can, if I cannot say anything else to you after this point, then I'm going to say this. And then that shows you that that is, what is, that that is what is mentioned there Is from the most important thing that could be mentioned to you And that in which you need You understand? Because when it comes to the taqwa of Allah To fearing Allah by doing that which he commands And, that, and staying away from that which he prohibits What is the first commandment that Allah gives us? Is to what? Is to worship him and him alone That's the first commandment To establish ta'id But what is the first prohibition that Allah Ta'ala gives to us? That is to what? To stay away from shirk. To abandon shirk. Stay away from shirk. And then now, all of the other commands come. And then all the other prohibitions come. So by establishing the taqwa of Allah, all of the deen is established. You understand that? That's the best thing for you for this world and the Okay? You want to stay on that path? you want success inside of this world you want an ability to have stability so that you could strive for the hereafter then you have to listen to obey your ruler because what there is no progress in times of war in times of conflict how are you going to seek to get better and you duck in bullets and bombs and you know so on and so forth how are you going to strive for the hereafter and there's no stability there's no security security stability is needed is needed so we can strive for the hereafter is needed so we can strive for the jannah is needed so we can do that which allah ta'ala commanded us to do is is of utmost importance for our deen and for our dunya do you do you understand you don't lose when you have stability and tranquility and peace. And for those and for those people who's complaining, oh but but you don't know, you don't live here. Yeah, subhanallah, the world is one country, the world is one state, one region. You can't get up and go somewhere else. Really? If it's if it's really that bad, like you're saying, then get up and leave. Go somewhere else. That ever cross your mind? Oh, I can't leave. You can't leave, but then you can you can you can topple the government and run it? Let me get this right. You don't have the resources to get on a plane, train, or automobile and relocate. But you got the resources to topple a government, take over and then rule it? That that Yeah, that don't sound right. That don't sound right. Anyway, it also highlights how sticking to the Sunnah is a must if we want to be successful. And how leaving off innovation is a must if we want to be successful. And hence the Prophet he gave it after being asked. To please give us an advice. Because it is as if you have just given us a farewell address. So if, there's n- if there is never going to be anything else that you say to us. What would you say to us? And then the Prophet I said this hadith. He gave these words. That shows us the importance of what is mentioned. And then the Shaykh goes again into the next hadith. But Ta'ala. We will stop. At this point, and we will um, put these classes, this particular series, on hold until after Ramadan. And تعالى, we will pick up and continue after Ramadan, insha'Allah ta'ala. صلى على نبينا محمد وعَن آلِهِ وصحبه أجمعين وجزاهم الله خيراً.